here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. It's so nice to have you back where you belong on the Dharmic Evolution, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Got another badass show for you today. But before we do anything, please go over to dharmicevolution.com, sign up for your favorite platform. This way on Friday mornings, this show comes right to your phone. Don't you love having your own personal assistant like us to help you through your day? And if you like this show, please share it with someone close to you or someone who may need this particular lift today from this fabulous young guitar player we're about to bring to you. Hey, the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page is looking for you. If you're a singer, songwriter, author, speaker, or thought leader, post your content on the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page and check out the support you will get from both fans and other artists and creatives on that site. All artistry is welcome and all supporters of artists. And no spammers, please. Okay? Don't be hawking your... uh, your pina coladas and things on this site. That's not the place for you. Well, today we've got something special. We've got this young lady who is just a badass rock and roller. What can I say? She's a young 19-year-old. Uh, she's heavily influenced by artists like Bad Flower, The Black Keys, and Cage the Elephant. Having released her debut album, Chaos Before Conformity, in 2015, followed by her sophomore release, Queen of Nothing, two years later, and her third record, 2019, Out From Under. And it is just going to be a treat to have this young lady on our show today. You better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution all the way out to Ohio to hang out with Erin Coburn. Erin, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Thank you for having me. So good to have you on board today. And uh, I am digging your music, girl. It sounds like you love the blues. (laughs) I do. I do. I have a strong passion for it. Excellent. Excellent. Really just strong guitar playing. And, you know, it's all over your songwriting and everything. And uh, I can kind of hear influences of a lot of different people that you've followed, I'm sure. Um, So when did it you first get the bug you were a little baby when this started or what happened to you you know who was in who in the family was like into music so much that kind of got your attention well both of my parents actually my mom and my dad um ever since i was little they always had music on 24 7 and uh and my brother too when he lived with us man he he between the three of them there was just all kinds of different music coming from each area of the house it was so cool um, none of them actually played when I was born, um, but my dad had a guitar that my mom had gotten him for uh, like their anniversary or something like that, and he never played it. <laughs> so it was just kind of sat around the house, and and I think I was around two, and I was like, hmm, I think I'm going to claim this as my own. And so I picked it up, and it was bigger than me. There's videos of me like playing this giant acoustic guitar. It's bigger than me. Like like playing it like an upright bass and uh, I think that kind of sparked the interest and like wow I can I can create this too I can be like Joe Satriani because like my parents always had like they had some of his um like they had a DVD of Joe Satriani and like they would like play it like I think like at least once a week (laughs) 
<laughs> I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, but yeah, we were always watching like live shows on DVD and, and, um, and, and watching them on, on TV and, and listening to music, like as many different genres as possible. So it definitely sparked the interest and the uh, appreciation for it. And then as far as the blues goes, my third guitar teacher, I think, um, he, introduced me into the blues because it was the, our first guitar lesson and he just started like playing around and like soloing and I was like what are you doing that sounds so cool I said did you just make all that up and he was like yeah I'm like oh my gosh I want to know how to do that and so that's kind of I was like wow you know the blues is such a such a raw form of music and it's like straight up straight expression like there's no thinking it's just whatever you feel and I think that's what really attracted me to it well, let's give everybody a slice. I don't want to make anybody wait. So this one is called Everybody. Everybody calling my name. Everybody calling my name. Everybody want a piece of me. When I just really want to run away. Everybody calling my name. Everyone is screaming my name. Everybody want a piece of me When I got nothing left to give away Away, away Everybody, call them my, call them my. Everybody, call them my, call them my. 
Everybody's screaming my name. Excellent song. So tell us about, you know, what provoked you to write this lyrically and like what were you thinking? Like, you know, give us the give us the inside story of what Erin was thinking about when she wrote this song. Yeah. So so everybody kind of stemmed from I mean I'm sure we all get these moments in our life where we feel like everyone is trying to get your attention and like you're, you're trying to do a million things at once. I mean, it's like multitasking, but times a thousand, you know, and it gets a little overwhelming. And so um, I've actually, I've also been on social media a lot too. So a couple of these songs tie in together, like um, everybody in virtual reality definitely go together um, off of the third album. But um, yeah, I, I was like, it just felt it felt like I was trying to respond to a million people at once and I wasn't there for everyone when everyone kind of like felt like they needed me. And so it just got a little overwhelming. I'm like, I, I just, I just need to take some time and write, write something and just get this out of my system. And so it was just nice to be able to write a song that I could relate to <laughs> as far as how I was feeling. Cause I mean, I knew that I'm not the only one that felt that felt like that. I'm sure there are other people that, that feel overwhelmed sometimes, but Sometimes you just need to take a step back and write a song, and that's that's what that's what happened. So are you are you in school right now, or um, or are you? I mean, I know you're you're out of high school, but you're very young. Mm-hmm. But are you in any <laughs> kind of uh, formal college or anything going like that, or are you just on, on music full time? Um, I so I graduated high school last year. Um, I have decided to take like a gap year in college or maybe as many gap years as I need because I can always go back later in life. I don't want to rush into something where I may not need it right now because I've been trying to to learn as much as possible on the job. Um, I know with, with music, um, depending on what you want to do in music, obviously if I wanted to be like an orchestra musician, I'd probably go study. But um, I've, I've learned so many things from amazing people that are you know in the business right now and have been so gracious to share their knowledge with me. So... Uh, yeah, I've just been trying to learn on the job, and and I'll be I'll be going to Cleveland for three months over the winter to um, to study audio engineering and get my certificate in audio engineering. So I'm I'm really excited for that because I'll uh, have my studio to come home to. We're building an entire recording studio, so <laughs> I'll be able to record some of my friends and and do more session work too. Awesome. So when did you get like interested in in audio? Like, is, did it happen as a, as a process or was it just bang, one day you had an epiphany and said, I got to do this? What? 
Yeah, I think it might have been a YouTube video I watched. Um, I know um, I left public high school halfway through sophomore year um, because I wanted I just they weren't letting me tour as much as I needed to and I was like look I'm getting paid to do music and you guys are training me to get a job I have a job I want to focus on that but I I I didn't I went from public high school to online school for gifted and talented students so they were able to be super flexible I I did my um, my school on the road I actually got my freshman year of college out of the way at the same time as my senior year in high school while I was online um, and I finished school like three months early because I'm that person that as soon as they get an assignment they have to work ahead <laughs> so right. so I finished I finished high school um and then um I went I totally lost my train of thought with that no I that, totally lost well it, it was it was <laughs> I want it was getting to the uh the fact that you're interested in audio engineering and and yeah. I think it's fabulous that you're gonna have like your own studio that's amazing thank so you yeah oh now the, are you gonna are you gonna get like a big old two inch uh tape machine like a studer <laughs> maybe i actually i have been looking at tape machines but oh man i don't i don't know if i'm ready for that yet but um all i know the point i was getting at the uh the online school that i went to had an audio engineering class which was super cool i've never heard about high school having that class so i was like i'm taking that and then that just like sparked the interest i'm like this is the coolest thing ever like and i also realized how expensive it was to record my albums in studio and i'm like I mean, I would love to be able to do this myself. I would love to learn everything I can about the about music and the process of recording, writing, business, law. I mean, my, my dad is a lawyer, so he teaches me how to read contracts and stuff. So I just want to learn everything. <laughs> wow. So you are Aaron Coburn 360. Like you've got it all, all <laughs> yeah. under one roof, you know. we got the recording studio, the lawyer, everything happening. Yes, um, yes. Sticking, I just want to stick with the, the uh, studio for a moment because I think that's mm -hmm. a fascinating place to start especially as an artist who already has like you you're writing really good good songs you're you're you. you've, you're really proficient on the guitar and you. you seem to have wonderful direction which is a, a great combination to um to really keep continuing down this road um are you going to be looking at pro tools as far as your your platform to to uh, engineer on Yes, um, I'm hoping to learn. I, I would like to know like multiple dolls because I know they can be good for certain things. Um, I'm currently working in Logic Pro X right now, and hey, uh, me it's too. been wonderful. Yeah, it's, yeah it's been wonderful to get ideas like straight out because it's such a user friendly um, software. It can be advanced if you need it to, or it can be you know less advanced. It's it's wonderful. So I'm working in that, and I think I'll I'll always work in Logic Pro. Um, but as far as like, you know, recording live sound and, and full bands in the recording studio, I think Pro Tools I've heard can be a little step up or, or can be a, you know, a good alternative. Yeah, excellent. Let's do another one. I want to play um, It's Over. It's over. I lost the game when it's time to play again. Can I walk away? So loser. It's torn apart. It's only gonna leave deep, deep scars. It's a virtual reality. Reality only wants to beat me, see me down. It's a virtual reality. Reality took my eyes and stole my crown. Take a look. Yeah. 
It's over. Why is it over? <laughs> uh, phone addictions. That's what makes it over. <laughs> okay. I like that. And yeah. can you share with us, like, what what are you playing? Is the, the guitar in hand on that song? Yeah. Is yeah. It? Um, the, well, okay. So I, I don't have my Strandberg on that one. Um, I was not endorsed by Strandberg Guitars until after I recorded my third album and went to uh, NAMM in, in California. And I, I met with, with uh, Strandberg there and, and played their guitars. But um, I think on that one, I think I played my Stratocaster. I had a Fender Stratocaster that my grandpa um, um, helped me get like when I was younger. And it's one of, one of my favorite guitars. <laughs> like that 1985 hanging up on the wall behind me? Oh, nice. <laughs> I also have a 1956 Les Paul special, believe it or not. So, oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, I, I lo- and I love the old guitars. And it's a, it's a type mm-hmm. of guitar. You take it out of the case after I haven't played it for three months. It's still in tune. You know, oh, with, my gosh. With, that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I love the vintage sound. It's great. Yeah, so what, what is it that you're holding in your lap right now? What Could you describe that guitar to everybody on the podcast? It's beautiful. I can do that, yeah. Yeah. So, so this is a Strandberg guitar. They're actually um, based out of Sweden, um, but they have they have a shop here in in the United States as well, and I think in California. Um, But the guy that made it, his name's Ola Strandberg, and he has he had a vision to make like these ergonomic guitars, you know, lightweight, you know easy to hold, um, feels good to play, beautiful natural acoustics. Like the, the reason why I gravitated so much to this guitar when I was at NAMM, I just kept going back to that booth, was because of how amazing it sounded not even plugged in. Like I plugged it in and tried it out there, but then like I unplugged it and like just the natural acoustics from this is just insane. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, and they're super light. They're extremely light. It's like, I was going to you know, say, for a petite yeah. little thing like you, you're all of like 101 <laughs> pounds, you know? So it's like, you don't want to be holding this big, like Gretsch White Falcon on stage, you know? I was going to say, I, like, I had a Les Paul, man. <laughs> Three-hour gigs with that, whoo, man, they, you feel them. But uh, this this one's great because it's light. And plus, I don't know if you can tell on, on screen, we're in video right now, but um, I'll describe it. There's... Um, their necks are unlike any other guitar neck I've played. Most guitar necks are like curved for that yeah. like C shape or it's like, you know, flat, like those right? kinds of shapes. Yeah. This one's trapezoidal. Wow. So it's, it's got like that trapezoid shape on the, on the neck and it's so comfortable to hold. It's, it's like, it's almost like a natural like position for your hand to be in. And that's what, that's what makes it so nice to be able to play for, for long periods of time. Are you plugged in right now? I am, yes. Did you want to give us a couple of riffs just to just for the yeah. for the Oh yeah. 
<laughs> Love it. Yeah, very nice. Nice tone. And you got the reverb set just right for a little blues oh, thing. Oh, no. <laughs> Love yeah. me some reverb. Yeah, I'm playing it through my, my bad cat, which I'm endorsed by, uh, by by them as well. But they, they came out with this this really cool little, um, oh, it's, it's like a little desktop amp. But I use it for tours, and it's it's like five five to eight pounds, and it's a it's a it's a little amp with tube pre's in it, so it has like the it has the feel and the, and the sound of an uh, of a tube amp, and uh, man, it just it's got some wonderful wonderful tones to it. I've had a history of amps. Mesa Boogie was probably one of my favorites. Oh, I yeah. had the early ones, and um, the latest thing is I got the Spark amp, which I, I haven't spent enough time on it, but it's really, really awesome. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but uh, it has uh, the app have. for the phone, so you can preset everything on your phone, like, and it just tells is the it amp. Is it digital? Yeah, it, it just tells oh. the amp what to do. <laughs> but it's I have but a, it's small. Like a it's Firehawk effect pedal. It's this like big. That. It's a tiny little thing like this, and it sounds killer. Oh, yeah, that if, is you, so cool. if you Google it, um, they're, they're selling tons of it. It's a really quality thing, and yeah. um, you can just chuck it in the car with you very easily instead of you know like losing a, a bicep on the way to the gig. I you know? know. Isn't it funny so, how like back back in the days, like it used to be like these giant Marshall stacks, and now people are like, all right, what's the smallest and lightest thing I can have? <laughs> yeah, exactly, because your it's body crazy. gets worn out from that stuff, I think, you know? Oh, I, I know. Um, I know. <laughs> I I could keep going on um, just talking gear and <laughs> me too. <laughs> like I, I just love this. Like I'm a big fan of microphones and you know all of that. So what is the most intriguing part of the audio production for you? Do you feel besides guitar playing because that's a given, but yeah. as and and vocals of course. But as far as the gear and everything, um, like what's your favorite setup as far as amp and guitar? And pedals, if you want to throw those all together, like like your sweet sound, how do you get your best tones? Like what kind of gear are you using? The Strandberg, obviously, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Strandberg, obviously. Um, and they actually made this. This has the newest pickups in it, um, which aren't actually out yet, but new pickups and a uh, push-pull pot that they made just for me on the guitar. So I try to, I like to have a whole arsenal of tones with me just in my guitar alone. Um, but yeah, I have the, usually the bad cat amp is what I'll, I'll bring with me, the, the small, uh, the paw, and then I will run through a soul food usually for my, um, for like my, my, dis my distorted sounds, um, or an Ibanez tube screamer. And then I usually have like a wah on my pedal board, um, for some pretty ripping solos <laughs> and then, uh, a, a compressor as well. Um, I try to keep it to a minimum cause I don't want to overwhelm myself on stage since I, you know, like I try to keep everything uh, focused as well because <laughs> it's. E I'm that person that can get very distracted very easily. So if I have a million buttons to push, then it will throw me off on stage. But uh, it's 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 nice. I have like the perfect amount of stuff for 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 my stage and for my sound. You know, you, there's a guy who I had on, which I think you would really appreciate because I can tell you're a fan of other, you know, great guitar playing um, yes. because that otherwise you wouldn't be the Aaron Coburn that we've grown to know and love so quickly uh, <laughs> if you weren't a fan of music. But I had this guy on, he's from New Jersey, Matt O'Ree, uh, about a year and a half ago. And he actually um, was teaching Bruce Springsteen's son to play guitar. And this guy's a rookie. He's a killer guitar player. So uh, he, he, he caught Bruce in the driveway one day and said, hey, uh, you know, uh, you could, I'd love to have you on, on my song because 
the kid who was teaching, his son, went to him with one of his CDs and said, hey, listen to this guy play. And Bruce actually loved the song so much. So long story short is they collaborated together. It was Matt's song. And Bruce even took a solo and Matt took a solo. And it's, I was shocked that Springsteen, the, the solo that he played on this. And the interesting thing about Matt is he uses no effects. He just uses the guitar and the amp and wow. presses that tube amp to its like maximum to get the tone. So uh, when we're finished, I'll send you the link and you can check it out. I think you will really oh appreciate gosh. the playing is, and the song is great. It's called Black Boots. And um, that's awesome. Tell me about- I would about, love to hear it. Yeah, I think, I think you'd appreciate it. And guys like that, um, there was a story about Leslie West too. He came on to stage one day and, and he, um, this guy was having trouble with his baby Les Paul he had. And he just kept feeding back and feeding back. So Leslie Ooh. comes up on stage, grabs a guitar, turns everything up to 10 and just, just d dives into it. And the thing never <laughs> made a squeak all night because he was just a master of- like how to play a Les Paul, you know, and, and control the volume and everything. Yeah. So really amazing. That's amazing. It's like a beast that needs tamed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me That's about amazing. some of your heroes growing up then, and, and, and even current too, people that you mm -hmm. listened to, that you felt like you took away some pearls of wisdom, some learned some licks and incorporated into your particular style. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had a lot of influences. B.B. Um, King would definitely be one of them because he could just he yeah. could say so much with so little. Um, I went to the Pine Top Perkins um, Guitar Master Workshop down in Mississippi. I got the scholarship, I think, like two years in a row. Um, and it was the coolest experience. And they really stressed down there. They were like, OK, here's one of the first exercises that, that we did. You take three notes and you only use the three notes for an entire solo. And because there were so many people, there were so many guitar players down there that felt like, oh, I need to say this, I need to say this whole stretch of, you know, line for guitar with like a million notes. I need to fit yeah. as much as possible into this one phrase. And that was always something that kind of scared me because I felt like I had to do that. I felt like that was something that I needed to do because all of the guys around me, all of the guitar players around me were doing that. And I was like, wow, I, I can't talk that fast on guitar. Um, and, uh, and so I was always focused on speed and the amount of notes. And so we did that exercise and it just blew my mind. Cause they, and they were like, dude, this is how, this is how BB King, this is how a lot of the older blues gentlemen played because they didn't, they didn't feel like they needed to fit a bunch of notes. They just needed to get their point across. And I'm like, that's, that's such a good point. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the things that, uh, that, uh, yeah, that really resonated with me as far as like, it, like with influences goes for, from BB King. Um, and then I'm, of course, influenced by, by a lot of the newer players. Uh, Gary Clark Jr. is one of the big ones. I love, I love his stuff. He's, he's so cool. And he has a bunch of different, like, fusion things. He's not just blues, but he's also not just rock. He combines, like, punk and fusion and jazz and hip-hop. Any kind of thing, he can just combine it. Um, yeah, yeah, just amazing, amazing. Yeah, and then, of course, Janis Joplin. <laughs> my son's a big fan of Gary Clark Jr. I think he's, my son's in Austin. I think Gary's out of Austin, if I'm not yep. mistaken. And I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, he's been to see him a, bu a bunch of times. And he, uh, yeah, he's just, and you know, he, he, you said he's new, but he's probably been playing for like, like yeah. you know, like decades, you know. But uh, He has been playing for a while, but as far as like, he's newer than, than like B.B. King and, yeah. and some of the older older guys. But yeah, he's... And yeah, you they're, mentioned they're uh, Janis Joplin too. You mentioned yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, when I was when I was younger and I I had first started um, playing out, 
I had a lot of people tell me, man, you remind me of Janis Chaplin. And I think part of, part of it was my, I had some really crazy hair, but uh, another part of it just said like, you know, like having a free spirit and just, again, not, you can tell like on stage, I've always felt more comfortable being on a stage in front of however many people versus, you know, going to a party and being around people my age or people like just at a party. I'm way more uncomfortable at parties than on stage. Like on stage, I just feel, you know, I feel like I'm at home and like I'm, I'm comfortable. And I think that's part of the reason like I like Janis Joplin is that she just made that stage her house. You know, like that was like, I, I'm claiming this. I'm just sharing what I, what I have with, with everyone. Like I know them. You've got the introvert extrovert syndrome. Like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'm this, I'm similar than that. I can be the life of the party, but most of the time I'm like, if I'm at a concert, I feel like, I'd rather be on the stage where I belong than, than sitting yeah. at a concert watching somebody else. Not that you can't have a good time, but it's just a funny mm-hmm. thing. Uh, you know, Michael Jackson was one who was like the extreme of that. You know, he was so introverted off stage, but extroverted on stage, you know, because that was yeah. his thing. That was his house. It's like a, um, it's like a, like a, like a switch he could flip on and off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just that's a lot of performers are that way. Just, you know, we're, that's, yeah. we're a weird bunch of people, you know. I, I hear a woofer. Do I hear a woofer? I'm sorry. I apologize. No, my, uh, my dog. I have dogs upstairs. Where did that go? Oh. No, they're welcome. Uh, they want to chime yeah. in and have anything to say. I mean, <laughs> you know, they can rep a, one of their favorite products here, a milk bone or whatever. They, you know, they choose to. <laughs> choose I've to got dip. three of them, and they are just—it's a chaotic household because of them. But I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Let's do um, this one. Is called Out from Under. From under, already falling in. Time, stress, and applications when come out from under. It's time we give in. Spit blood, sex is a sin. I'm out from under, already falling in. Time, stress, and applications when come out from under. It's time we give in. Yeah. 
time we give in
lot of moods in this one, and I think this is my favorite song. Um, and by the way, the, folks, this is called The Misfit, correct? The album? You, do you call um, this, no, this so collection? The newest single is actually called The Misfit, and then this al- the third album is called Out From Under. Oh, okay, okay, because yes. that's what I was going to play next. Is But let's talk about Out From Under. Yeah. Um, great guitar and just i love the way you change this up you know all of a sudden you're in one kind of groove and then you know i don't know if it was a time signature change but definitely tempo change like all throughout you just kept throwing us curves i love that yeah it's so cool yeah thank you i I love to do that and 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 uh actually most of my songs ever since i had like my first album to my third album Mm -hmm. i was always trying to find like like not trying to find but i was always I love to mix it up and do the unexpected. Like that was my favorite thing was to do the unexpected. And, and um, with Out From Under, I wanted to wanted to do something like that for, for that to kind of pay ode to my first album. Cause my first album was all over the place. I was like 12 when I recorded it. And I'm like, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. And I'm gonna put this in there and I'm gonna change the key here. And it was just, it was crazy, which was super fun. Cause it's like that, that childlike wonder, you know, that, that creativity that's just totally unbridled. And then as I get older, it gets a little more mature, but I'm, I can still kind of like channel that. So <laughs> that's kind of where Out From Under came from. <laughs> well, this is like not, it's not overly saturated with overdubs either, this record, and which I really appreciate. It's like, it almost sounds like um, you'd have no problem p- playing three-piece live. Yeah. You no, know? We, that's which, how we do it. We have a, a three-piece band and yeah, it's wonderful. It's, yeah. And that's when the music really speaks because um, it's well-arranged and it's, you know, it's appropriate for the pieces on stage. You're not relying on another guitar player or a keyboard to carry it through. You know, that's why exactly. you know, you're picking up on the blues right away. They're just so wonderful, really. Yeah. Or yeah. a backing track too. We've we uh, actually with the with the newest single, we use a backing track now because there's a like a a really cool synth part in it. But uh, when I when I usually write, I do try to keep in mind, you know, like okay, well, well, we have this many pieces on stage, and because I, I love to perform with live musicians, it's like a it's like you get to feed off of each other. It's it's a whole new energy. So when you're using the backing track live, um, who cues it? Does the drummer cue it? Do you cue yes, it? Yes. Okay. So, my drummer would. So mm-hmm. it so it starts with a click track in his headset. Is that how he's doing it? Yeah. So the the, okay. the click track will be it throughout his his. Head. Actually, we we all run the click track in our ears. Um, it's it's not super loud, but it'll start with that, and then it comes in. Great. So everybody, yeah, because yeah. if he's you know if he's if it's orchestrated and he's quiet for twelve bars, you want to know at least everybody be in the right spot. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. everybody's using backing tracks. I mean, some people put a whole band together doing that. You know. Like, I know. Just, doesn't I know. anybody play anything? No, I'm just here to sing, and that's it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can. I mean, we can do both. The cool thing is with that song, we can also do both. Like, there's there's some shows where it's like, okay, well, if this is the only song we're running backing tracks, which is most of the shows right now, we're not running we never run backing tracks this is the first song um we won't run the backing track for it and we'll just do it without the synth and it still sounds fine it's just not that huge thing but we actually do have a synth player um now actually i i I had to let my recent bass player go um and then um i was panicked i'm like oh my gosh i gotta find a bass player and um and then my my friend who plays synth i was like oh wait can you play bass on that? He was like, yeah, I can, I can play bass. And so it's like this huge modern sound on these blues rock sound on these blues rock songs. And, and, uh, and again, it works, it works great with the misfit, the new single. You're the new doors. Look at you guys go, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't need a bass player. What are you doing? <laughs> 
Hey, Aaron, let's talk um, a little bit about uh, marketing your music, a little bit yeah. about social media and streaming. And what I've been asking a lot of people about, you know, what's their take on Spotify? And, and I always come out and say, you know, as a consumer, um, you know, I love the streaming services. As, as an artist, I hate them because it's the, the table is so shifted in favor of the people who own the streaming services. And it's like we have an army of artists out there working, you know, diligently to fill their coffers with profit opportunities. So I think, you know, I'm looking for things to be the balance to shift as this new music industry continues to like, like learn itself and unfold in front of us. And we're all like part of it. So mm -hmm. as far as you being a young artist, where do you come down on like what do you think of spotify and streaming in general um you know just want to get your take on what you and your your fellow um artists and friends think about all this absolutely yeah um i think again as a consumer i think streaming is wonderful it's it's like music is at the tip of your fingertips as much as you want um i think that's amazing and then as an artist i think it's it's great too the idea of it and um the layout of it is wonderful i think being able to connect with your fans again at the push of a button is awesome being able to give them give them all of that all of that content um right there from streaming is is wonderful but uh, i do agree with you as far as like the you know the tables are definitely turned and i think there's not a big enough value on what musicians are doing today. I think it's between a lot of us are undercutting ourselves and saying, Oh, we don't deserve this much. Or um, same with like streaming on social media. I know um, there's a lot of platforms that are like, Hey, you know, you would normally pay $20 a ticket to come see this person at a live show and they can't do that right now. So we need to put this value on that in social media. So you should, hopefully you can tip some in order to come into this live stream or something like that. Like I've had some platforms say that. And, and I think uh, it kind of goes along with streaming music as well. Um, on these platforms as far as like putting a value on it that that you know is actually like what it's worth you know right right now the the fraction of of pennies for for a certain amount of plays is uh is definitely not the value it should be at and i have i have a lot of friends that that, that agree with me on that <laughs> yeah there's another there's another part of it that i'm disturbed about in and that is, um, you know, destroying the currency of our music with um, poor quality. Like, like my my music is up on Spotify, and I record on Music Row, and we put like our heart and soul into making sure the um, the sonic landscape of this this product is like flawless. You know, it's really really done well. It's done on, you know, a Trident board, and then it's it's done both. Um, analog and digitally so you're getting the best of both worlds and then oh, yeah. i put spotify and i go and i want to throw up because it's like it's been compressed so badly i'm like that mm -hmm. is not a representation of what this is supposed to sound like so the only platform that i'm aware of um is soundcloud that plays actual wave files um but they're mm -hmm. not they're not as good they're not as you know as good in other ways as far as getting yeah. people on their platform they're a little hard to work with at times so there's all this disconnect of we put all this this time and effort and love and energy and money into our music and and look look what happened to it you know we're, we're playing mp3 still which is just silly it just drives me crazy that in exactly. 2020 we can't get wave files delivered you know <laughs> like that's like cd quality wave files 
Yeah. I mean, are, does anybody like that you associate with, like, are they upset about this? Or am I the only one asking God to please come down and tell me what can I do to make this go away? <laughs> and that artists can get paid like slamming for their efforts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had I had just talked to someone. I don't remember who it was, but I just talked to someone about, they were like, um, they're a musician too, but they were like, yeah, I only listen to music on Apple Music because the quality is way better than on apple music than on spotify and i'm like really like i should have noticed this but I've, honestly i didn't notice and so i've been listening now to like you know like a being it and i'm like wow that's yeah it it definitely is you can you can hear the the difference in, in quality so i think having again like being able to have wave files or have like have that like across the board like you know like hitting this the same thing on all of the platforms would would make a lot more sense yeah when i ask when people come on the show i always insist on getting wave files because um when i finish the show obviously to put this show out on all the platforms that we're on it has to be delivered on an rss feed which is an mp3 but mm -hmm. but we deliver it at i mix it down at 192 kilobits per second and i think um app or uh, spotify is delivering something like uh 90 or 92 it's it's substantially less and you can hear it in the bit rate yeah. is just really really poor and it just drives me crazy even like we're on zoom right now but i use the zoom h6 which is a little xlr recorder it's a high quality like it's a different zoom company completely yeah. but i route the audio through here so we're actually recording real wave files you know oh that's awesome so um, you know i'm like i'm like if you're in the audio game you should really be in the audio game you know yes and for especially sure. for music you know so i don't know it's just a pet peeve of mine i'm i'm always asking the questions i'm trying to keep the conversation like interesting that people start talking about it more so that we can find a yeah. solution for all of these yeah, things the more we talk about it the, the the more likely it will be to to get fixed yeah and yeah. now it's time for the misfit you want to set this up for us and just tell us a little bit about this song? This is a really cool song. I love it. I would love to. Yeah, yeah. So The Misfit, uh, the Misfit is my newest single. Um, and I had, I, I've always felt like I've never fit in. Like my entire life, I've, I've felt like I'm just that, that person on the outside. And um, especially through high school, you know, there were all these people, all these kids, you know, all these popular kids and, and kids doing like going to parties and, you know, hanging out. And then I was that kid that would be at home, like playing guitar or like watching a YouTube video on like, you know, music theory and things like that. <laughs> and uh, which is totally cool. But back when I was younger and, and in high school, I... I kind of felt like, oh, I need to do this to fit in. I need to go be exactly like these people. I need to wear this. I need to look like this. I need to sound like this. I need to talk like this. I need to do what these people are doing. I was so focused on that. And then when I left high school to go to that online school and um, I wasn't, I was no longer around all those people, you know, 24, seven, five days a week. And it hit me. I was like, whoa, I, I feel kind of cool. Like I feel independent. I'm, I can kind of be my own person here and it, it feels okay. Um, and then, you know, several years later, like today, um, I'm just, I feel, I feel good being, being able to be called the misfit and, and the misfit, the, the name actually came from, um, I don't know if you've seen like the Rudolph Christmas special, but like, they're yeah. like, why am I such a misfit? Like that right. one. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> that's, I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I would love to write a song called the misfix. I just, I love that one song. So I was originally going to cover that. And, um, and then I'm like, you know what, how about I just write something 
that speaks to me, but with that same, like that same title. So, so that's, that's kind of where it came from. And I, I just, I wanted to let people my age or younger or, or older, or just anyone to, I wanted to let them know that like, it's okay to, to not fit in or to not feel like you fit in. Like, it's cool. It's cool to be unique. And I think everyone should know that. Okay, I get it. I'm on the outside looking dead. Big dreams, but I'm different. I like to be misfit. So when you were feeling like you were a misfit, um, did that feel to you like so bad? Or you said you were playing guitar. You were busy doing things that you love. Mm -hmm. So you didn't really feel like you were missing out on anything, right? Or did you? 
I, I did at times. Um, there were times where I'd have to go, I'd go play a show and my friends would have really, oh, well, we're, we're going to this one party or we're going to hang out or, you know, we're going to go to the mall or something. And, and I would, I mean, I would, of course, I would definitely, I would rather go to the show than, than to go do that. But there was some part of me where I was like, you know, am, am I growing up too fast? You know, the with the being in the music industry kind of young, you know, you have to, kind of gain a maturity about you if you want to if you're going to take it seriously you know and and I, I I was trying to trying to do that so um yeah I was I don't think I I felt like I was missing out but there were there were certain times where um I was I was questioning it so you tethered yourself to your talent I mean you knew you had a blessing and it sounds like you honored that blessing yes yes and th- I and was that's, focused it's important because you know, a lot of people don't do that. And they say, yeah, I got the talent, but, you know, whatever. I'm going to go off and smoke some grass or whatever. You know, it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, but you're, you're a concert violinist. <laughs> ah, yeah. You know, so uh-huh. I, I really admire that, that, you know, because, listen, you're young and you're, people are parting. That's what we do. Like, it's, it's peer pressure. Come on, we're all going. Why aren't you going? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot to, uh, to abstain from that and say, I, I got to do this, not because I have to, but there's almost a fiduciary duty. Like it's incumbent upon you to honor the blessing and say, I, I need to go in and, and discover more of what this is about. Yeah. So, yeah. so God bless Absolutely. you for doing that. That's, Thank you. that's really killer. Thank you. So what else can we talk about before we wrap up? Cause this is going really, really fast. So you got to get in <laughs> everything good that you can possibly get in. I mean, we could talk about anything you want. Um, do you want to talk about performances on stage? Do you want to talk about your family a little bit? What's uh, near and dear to you that you'd like to just chat about in the last couple of minutes here? Yeah, um, I mean, both of those between like, you know, touring and, and and having shows. I mean, right now, like I can't, we we don't do the uh, the shows as much, especially the indoor ones, but uh, right. being able, like my fans. Okay, well, that's actually what I want to talk about. There's actually, okay. um, my fans have been, just insanely awesome during this like whole quarantine time we uh when everything got shut down and we were on facebook more i, I was doing i've been doing facebook live streams for a long time um but it really picked up when we were all shut down and so i've had a huge influx in followers and they've been just super supportive we've created this this community of people that just just love you know love rock music and and love just you know the that raw edge of of the music that i can bring them and so one of my fans um his name's ray he had he had created a fan group and for me and then create and then i made me like the admin and everything and now we have like i think 200 members in like a month or like less than a month and it just keeps climbing but these these people are just so supportive and you know i I have people that'll drive like three hours to a show like they'll they're like oh i live three hours away but i want to come see your show it's just I'm just blown away by the amount of support that these people have brought me and also brought each other. It's, it's the coolest community. So I, I just wanted to say, say that because I think they, they definitely deserve a huge shout out. <laughs> awesome. You, you were originally from Kentucky. Is that right? Is that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and- I'm originally, well, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then I moved to Kentucky, like when I was really young and I lived there and then we just moved back to Cincinnati, Ohio. I think like three or four months ago. Great. And the studio yeah. is coming. When this, When is the studio going to be built, by the way? So we're, we're aiming on having it built um, over the winter. It should be hopefully close to being finished in um, the spring. 
Very exciting. So your dad's an attorney, and how about your mom? Mm-hmm. Is she any? Is she involved in your music career at all? Oh is, yes, my she, oh my gosh, my mom is. She we call we call her my momager, yeah. um, because she she helps book the shows. You know, when I was younger, she would help me work my Facebook page. Um, now I run all of my social medias and in the message the messaging on on the social media, which is a lot. But uh, she helps with emails and and booking and and you know logistics. And she also drives the van. We have a a fifteen passenger van that we uh, store all the gear in and and the musicians and. She's just amazing. She, she's a huge support, and I honestly could not do this without her. Great. You're like the Grateful Dead, you guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you got dad handling the legal, mom's, you know, doing yeah. the manager stuff. Now, any it's siblings uh, siblings that play at all? or No. You, um, no? I have a brother. He's my half-brother, and he plays video games, but he does not play instruments. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> cool. Well, you guys are the techno wizards going on there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, this went really, really fast, Aaron. I'm very excited about your career, and um, I love what you're doing here. I love the approach you're taking on guitar. I love it when somebody like really um, embraces an instrument and takes it to, continues to take it up to new levels, like you're doing, obviously. So uh, I just want to wish all of um, God's blessings on you, your music, your family. All your links will be in the show notes. All your, you know, everything will be on, you know, out awesome. there for people to gather. So, uh, so thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Had a fabulous time today with Erin Coburn. I hope you guys will support her. Check out her website, erincoburn.com. Really great website. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials, I'll see you from the stage, and let's not forget to all remain connected. I was connected. Everybody Guys and movie stars would line up like.